Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Last time I was in Jamba, I got a razzmatazz. Have you tried the razzmatazz, Judah Newby? I've not tried the razzmatazz, but there's a job on my way home, so you can book it. All right. You got to get in there and check it out. Our next guest joins us every week, Oregon State wide receiver Anthony Gold. He is uh, King Jamba this season. He is the guy. This interview is uh, presented by your local Jamba. Life is better blended. Oregon State will be at home on Saturday against San Diego State. That's tomorrow. Saturday, tomorrow. This week just kind of snuck up on me. It's that kind of week. Anthony Gold joining us has a big football game tomorrow. Give us an idea. Like the day before the game, are you just kind of chilling, like sitting around? Oh, yeah, just just hanging out. Usually my family's in town, so I just get get some time to, you know, hang out, relax with them, and then just focusing on the game, locking in on uh, handling business. Do you sleep well the night before the game? Uh, I kind of get jitters. I wake up a couple times throughout the night. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I, I sleep pretty well. I try to go to sleep early so that I like getting up early myself. Um, so I like to get up uh, earlier than, you know, what I what I got to be up just so I can, you know, get up and do, you know, my morning rituals of, you know, game day of just, you know, watching a little extra film, um, looking at the playbook, you know, and just really visualizing myself making plays. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I sleep pretty well. Do you, uh, like, uh, DJ Uyunglele told me that um, he slept like a baby the night before the San Jose State game, and then he played as calm as ever. But uh, have you always been an early riser? Are you that kid that, like, we have one of those in our family. We have one of my daughters that gets up crazy early, 5 o'clock in the morning. She's wide awake, and the other ones will sleep to noon if you let them. Oh, yeah, I've always kind of been someone that, you know, I like to get up, get up pretty early. Um, I don't know, I just feel like, you know, if I sleep in, um, I feel like I miss out on part of the day. I'm, it's just a weird feeling. I don't like when I when I when I sleep in. So sleeping in to me is probably eight thirty nine at the latest. So um, yeah, I'm a, I'm an early riser kind of guy. Last week you did not play undisclosed injury. Why is that important to keep that you know from getting out or getting around? Why you know coaches probably don't talk about it. Is that is that a, a strategic thing or why don't why don't people talk about it? Uh, yeah, I think it's just, um, you know, kind of keep things that happen, you know, in-house, in-house. Um, but I'd say that's probably the biggest thing is just, you know, if it's not uh, too serious, um, you know, just, just don't really talk about it and, you know, it's on to the next week and focusing on, you know, the next guy that's, that's playing. Anthony, will you play this week? Do you have that yet or uh, do you need to tiptoe around that a little bit? Uh, yeah, I'll probably need to tiptoe around that, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll be playing this week. So, okay. What you What you think of the punt return that went for a touchdown, or was it a kickoff return? I'm trying to think. It was a special team score. Anytime you see that, and you've been a guy who's been out there for those kind of big plays, punt returns in particular, what's that experience like? Oh yeah, I mean it was just awesome to see. You know, uh, you know Silas hasn't gotten a kick his way this year, and. You know, it's just it's just a cool thing to you know see that for him. Um, 
you know, him being able to experience that, put that on film. Uh, but also for the guys, you know, just, you know, there's there's 10 other guys on the field that are, you know, they're blocking their, their tails off so that we can even get a chance to return it. And, you know, just being able to celebrate with, with all those guys, um, you know, it's it's awesome. And it just it just goes to show how, you know, guys are bought in on all three phases. Um, a lot of a lot of teams, you know, there's there's guys that they don't really they don't really want to play special teams and they look at it as, as a negative. Um, but that's not how we do it at Oregon State. Um, you know, if you're on teams, that's your job and you gotta take your job serious. So I think, you know, it's just a great time for Silas, um, and and just the the whole team and everyone who's out there uh, being able to experience that because you know it doesn't happen often. So we're talking to Anthony Gold, wide receiver, Oregon State. Uh, we we've gotten a chance to see a little bit of Aiden Childs, and he looks good. Like I, it just looks like the sky is the limit for that kid. You see him in practice. What you know? What what is he? And what could he be at Oregon State? And what could he be as a football player in general? Uh man, I think that's you know, that's a future first round guy. Um he's a baller. You know, he just turned eighteen, which is which is crazy, but you know, if you met him you wouldn't think that. Um I think you know, I think the sky's the limit for him. I think, you know, being in uh, a pro style offense, uh like we do, like many NFL teams are, that that would just, you know, really set him up for the future. Um, but man, yeah, I'm excited to see what the future, you know, Oregon State looks like with, with Aiden at at the, the helm and it, he's made some throws that in practice is like, man, like there's not too many people making that throw. So, you know, it's awesome to see. And, you know, he's got time to develop. And I think once, not that he's not already developed, you know, he could go out there and play right now. But, um, you know, once he really gets the system underneath him and, you know, uh, really understands everything in the offense, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be scared. Give me an idea on that because we hear players say stuff like that. You know, once, once he understands the system, wh- what are we talking about? Are we talking about – the quarterback's ability to make reads, or are we talking about pre-stap that he gets to the line of scrimmage and he understands, like, in you know, just by looking at the defense that you know he needs mm-hmm. to check into a different play or a run play. What what are we talking about when we say he understands the system? Yeah, I mean it's a little combination of, of both. Um, you know, he's got to be able to go out there and have that confidence of um, you know being able to one recognize coverage. Um, to get up to the line, make sure, you know, guys are where they're supposed to be, uh, right checks are supposed to be made. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot. Play a quarterback in our offense, you know, it's not easy. Um, they're supposed you know, you got to – they have to know protections. Um, you know, they're, they're overriding protections uh, a lot of the time. So um, having, you know, a, a guy back there who can really think and, you know, understands the game, um, it, you know, you, you really need it, especially in our offense. So – uh, once he understands that and just understands, you know, why certain things are happening on certain plays, I mean, he, he's going to be unstoppable. And is he, he's working? Don't, don't get me wrong. He he can go out there and he can he can do some stuff right now. But once he gets that, then you know he's he's playing, you know, worry free. He doesn't have to think about anything. It'll just be second nature, and then it's just playing football at that point. Anthony, uh, you look at San Diego State on film. You know, give me a comparison. Do they compare to San Jose State? Are they different than San Jose State? What do you see on film? Uh, yeah, you know, they're different. You know, with the defensive scheme they run, but um, just like San Jose State, you know, they're a good, they're a well-coached team. Uh, they play hard, and you know, that's what that's what we're gonna get every week. Um, but they run little, little, some stuff uh, differently defensively. 
Um, special teams, they have, you know, they have a good punter over there um, and kicker. Um, so it's it's a little bit different, but you know, as long as we go out there and execute and do our job, I think we'll be all right. All right, uh, you will uh, show up at the stadium. We always see you when you're warming up, or we see you, you know, at the game. But give me an idea what happens like early game tomorrow. From the time you wake up, like at what hour do you sort of enter the football ecosystem and start your game day preparation? Uh, really, as soon as you wake up. You know, with the early game tomorrow, it'll be wake up, um, eat some breakfast, and then straight into you know meetings and walkthroughs, and um, you know really just tightening up the detail uh, for the game, and then it's straight to the stadium, and you know warm up and you play. So it goes by pretty fast, but. Um, it's pretty nice because you're not in the, the hotel all day just sitting there watching other people play or yeah. um, just weighing around all day until, you know, 6 or 7 at night when you're playing. So the early games are nice because you get to just wake up, eat, and then it's, it's straight the ball. I'll tell you this. As a writer who's covering the games, when I'm there, I don't like the sitting around either because it's a mental drain. And I can't imagine right. from a physical standpoint, like if you have to sit around for 8 or 10 hours watching football, especially when you're on, you're on the road, right? You're in a hotel, and maybe the coach will get you up and have you guys kind of do kind of some walkthrough stuff and get you moving around a little bit. But, man, that, that it turns into a long day. I'm glad you're playing a game in the daylight. It'll be fun to see you out there. I'll try to say hi to you if I see you on the field in the pregame. But, uh, all right, postgame Jamba, what's your drink tomorrow? Let's say early evening, you're in recovery mode. You walk into the Jamba. You, you got a drink you'd turn to? Um... I think it, it might just be that white gummy again. You know, okay. there's. Have you tried it yet? I haven't. The next time I'm in, I'm uh, going. I'm, yeah. I'm telling you, you got to try it out. All right. Will not white. Disappoint. That, that white. White gummy. gummy. All right, Anthony. I'll see you at the stadium. Thank you, man. Oh uh, yeah, yes sir. Thank you. All right, there he is, Anthony Gold. This interview brought to you by Jamba. Life is better blended. Good stuff. I got. I got to get in there and try the white gummy. Judah, have you tried the white gummy? That you got to try that instead of the razzmatazz now. <laughs> Add it all to the short list, man. That sounds delightful. What a great name, white gummy. The white gummy at Jamba. I'm googling it right now. It is a peach and uh, pineapple smoothie. All right, I'll go for that. Mm. I like that with a little uh, pineapple sherbet and vanilla soy milk. You like that? So there you go. That's in it. Six ounces of peach juice, soy milk. A scoop of lime sherbet, a scoop of raspberry sherbet, there's your razzmatazz, a scoop of pineapple sherbet, a scoop of orange sherbet, a scoop of strawberries and ice, and then they blend it. And there you have it. All right. G-U-M-M-I. Yeah, gummy. Because I kind of felt like it sounded like, you know, I'd be going into like a dispensary if I was ordering a white gummy. Exactly. You know, that should be a trivia question. Like, where do you get a white gummy? In the state of Oregon. You get it at your nearest dispensary. You don't go to Jamba, but turns out you can get it at Jamba. Um, hey, give me an idea. Like, coaches get weird with injuries. Anthony Gold did not play last week, and this happened with Jaden Grant last year at one point. You know, he was out. He had gone to the hospital. He came on this show the week after going to the hospital. He kind of kept it on the down low. And then I found out he was in the hospital. We talked about it on air. But he pretended the whole time like he was playing. Anthony did it to us last week. He had had a injury during practice, and yet he came on the show, and he was like, you know, can't wait for the game against UC Davis, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, go get your white gummy at Jamba. And now he's saying he's playing this week, but 
I feel like, you know, even Jack Coletto did that. Remember when Jack Coletto did that last year? He had a game where he wasn't playing, and he came on air, and he was like, you know, I'm, uh, I'm probable. And then he ended up not playing in the game due to injury. Yeah, it's weird. And, you know, normally I feel like Jonathan Smith programs would be pretty, you know, open and honest because they're comfortable who they are in, in their own skin. But I tell you what, guys like Coletto last year and definitely guys like Gold this year, like those guys are playmakers. It definitely influences the game plan from the opponent. And you heard the way Anthony was talking about special teams. They take that serious in Corvallis. And Anthony is such a big part of that special team return unit that that factors into how, you know, Brady Hoke is preparing and all that. But uh, I'm glad that he said, yeah, I should probably tiptoe around it, but I'm playing. I'll be there. <laughs> I, I know. I think it's interesting that they do that. But, you know, it, I guess it, uh, I think in some ways it ends up being, I think, a bigger advantage when it's kind of a conference game. Like, you know, they're playing Washington State, but... They don't talk about it as an injury, and even Bo Nix in, in Oregon. I mean, Dan Lanning had this injury to Bo Nix. He wouldn't talk about it all season long, or, you know, it kind of just dragged on. But I guess part of the reasoning for that is you don't want opposing defensive players to know what the injury is, so you can you can uh, keep them from, like, grabbing your ankle at the bottom of the pile or trying to, uh, you know, target that injury to, to keep you out further. Um you know, I said this today. I you know, I mentioned earlier I had talked with JD Wicker, who is the athletic director at San Diego State. I had coffee with him today and we just kind of talked about the Pac-12 conference, San Diego State's standing in the conference, you know, uh, in the Mountain West and their hope that they were going to be included as part of the Pac-12 and it became evident to me in talking with him that they really felt like they were into the Pac-12. And I think they're happy, really happy to be part of the Mountain West. And they have a good spot there now. But I do get the sense that if Oregon State and Washington State can rebuild the Pac-12, that there would be some interest from San Diego State in in exploring whatever that could be one day. And, you know, I won't speak for J.D. Wicker or San Diego State, but it's just the sense that I got in having a conversation with him that the brand of the Pac-12 still holds some oomph for the Mountain West Conference members. And by the same virtue, if you are a Washington State fan or an Oregon State fan who is looking at the Mountain West, you you definitely, you know, view going to the Mountain West Conference as relegation. Like, there's no way around it. You're you're being relegated to a lower conference. It's a group of five conference. And, and even if you're left behind in the Pac-2, and I do think this is the plan for Oregon State and Washington State, I think they're going to go with a full rebuild. I think that they're going to get they're going to come to an agreement with the outgoing 10 members on some division of hey here's the money that everybody's getting this year and you guys are out July 1, 2024 anything that is part of the conference beyond that belongs to the members who are staying behind. I don't think there're going to be any any difficult decisions there. I think everybody kind of understands that's what happens to the conference as it as it dissolves, but I think that the Pac-2 are going to try to make a run of it. And, you know, as I have talked to athletic directors, multiple athletic directors in college football in the last week or so, the, I, I have been drilling down on the idea of how difficult is it to schedule games. Could Oregon State and Washington State find enough games for 2024 and then start to add members in 2025? And if they're going to add members in 2025, is it a reverse merger of the full Mountain West Conference? Is it just some teams? Is it picking and choosing? What is that? You know, in in that 
summer basically before the 25 football season. You know, what it what does it really amount to? And you know, what I gathered is that Oregon State and Washington State both have a non-conference schedule that is uh that is already in the books. You know, these teams schedule for years out, and I think Oregon State and Washington State would essentially just look at if we look at the 2024 season, you know, Oregon State's got three non-conference games that are already on the books for 2024. They are playing Idaho State at Boise State, home against Purdue. I think you add a home-and-home series with Washington State to get you to five games in the 2024 season. Now you have to turn to the scheduling consult, and there is a guy in Austin, Texas, who handles all these football schedules, and you say, hey, look, we're trying to add five games. Where do we find five football games? And it could be that you know some of the games they have to add are playing Big Sky Conference teams for payday games. It could be that they find that the outgoing Pac-12 members, uh, such as uh, Oregon, Washington, UCLA, and USC are looking for games. Are Cal and Stanford looking for games? I mean, there is right there, there's six possible teams on the West Coast, and you only need five games. And so, you know, there's a chance here that I think they are going to be able to put together and piecemeal together a schedule for the 2024 season that gives them a full football season if they choose to remain a conference of two. And then for 2025, maybe what you start looking at, if you're Oregon State and Washington State, is you start looking at, okay, do you want to add Colorado State? Do you want to add Air Force? Do you want to add San Diego State? Do you want to add, who else, Boise State? Do you want to add Fresno State? I mean, there's five schools right there that I named that you'd probably be interested in. How about UNLV as a sixth to get into Vegas? Suddenly now, you know, maybe you don't make it a full-blown merger or reverse merger maybe you are picking and choosing who comes in in 2025 and 2026 and all of a sudden do you have something here and and i think that's kind of going to have to be the way that oregon state and washington state if they're going to do a rebuild that's going to be the way they have to live they're going to have to come up with a schedule and then in the other sports in the sports like basketball baseball football golf volleyball you turn to the mountain west conference you turn to the wcc you turn to the Big West and you say, let's do a scheduling uh, partnership where our women's basketball teams are playing you know, in the Mountain West or they're playing in the WCC, or, and then you go to your other sports. So you come up with some scheduling partnerships that work for you to try to get through 2024. And the reason why the assets matter that are buried in the conference, the reason why they matter is because you need that money if you don't have a media rights deal. So is there uh, sixty million? Is there a hundred million? Is there two hundred million? We don't know, and that's what needs to be determined here as they come to some kind of settlement and figure that out. But uh, really interesting conversations I've been having with a multitude of ads. Some of them are the athletic directors at departing Pac-12 schools who are saying, "This is what I would do if I were Oregon State, Washington State," and I don't see, I don't, I'm not hearing a lot of allergy to the idea of them being able to construct a schedule. I had one person tell me that look what we did during the pandemic. Like, we put together a bunch of schedules, and everybody kind of adapted, and, you know, there's a chance that you could lean into a 2024 college football season that would be, like, unlike anything ever seen before. And it could feature um, a multitude of home games, for example, for Oregon State. If you're not part of a 8 or 10 or 12 or 16 or 20-team conference, it doesn't limit the amount of home games you could play. So Oregon State could just go, we're going to play eight home games, in 2024 or nine home games this is going to be who we are 
Uh, or they could barnstorm and go, hey, we're going to go anywhere, any place, any time. We feel good about our football program. So there's a lot of flexibility that exists for those programs as it moves forward. All right, coming up, uh, you're going to hear Nick Saban, who fielded an awesome question as part of his coach's show. You're also um, you're also going to hear Anna as she joins the show. You got to be a- we interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Truth. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.